This is Danny and Dusty. What God's name is going on in here? What was that ruckus? With Danny Meringue and Dusty, the fan man Hera. What ruckus? I was just in my office and I heard a ruckus. Danny and Dusty on the Odyssey app. Describe the ruckus, sir. And 1080. Don't mess with the bull, young man. You'll get the horns. The fan. Hour number three, Danny and Dusty with you. Thank you for being part of our day, letting us be a part of yours. Look, turns out uh, the Brooklyn Nets already fed up with Ben Simmons' crap. <laughs> Didn't take long. I mean, I, I had somebody ask me the other day, uh, uh, let's say somebody in the league, do I think Ben Simmons Silver, is going to finish his current contract? They ask that like finish yes. his current contract or just retire and walk away. Mm-hmm. How many years has he got left? Three more years. Or if he does, does he? The next question was if he if he does, does he get another contract? Or does no, he just walk I, away with I the money? I think yes, he does because he'll want the money. Yes, and it's all guaranteed, so he can do what he's currently doing and has been doing, which is not really Listen, playing. Lesser players have been paid to walk away. And I don't think he gets another one because of the, the laundry list of ailments that, that he has. Uh, the latest coming from Sham Sharanya and Sam Amick of The Athletic, uh, both of them double team in this report that um, here we are November 16th and immediately following the Nets 153-121 to loss to the Sacramento Kings. Yes. The Brooklyn Nets lost to the Kings 153 to 121. Apparently, yikes! Of many folks within that organization, and are, are saying that they're done with him uh, because he is sitting out and limited to. Well, he played actually last night. Mm-hmm. But they don't know when but he's going to play, how he's going to play, what attitude he, he's going to play with. He's had a knee injury lately. On top of his back. On top of his back. From. He's saying that, like, these people don't know what my back injury has been like. Like, mm-hmm. when I had to get taken to the hospital, which he did in Milwaukee. Yeah. He was actually, an ambulance took him from the arena yes. to the hospital. His back injury, herniated disc, is no joke. No. I mean, in, that is a legitimate injury. But now he's got a knee injury, um, and his back is healthy and fine. Mm-hmm. But he has like fluid in his knee where apparently he's gotten PRP injections and he's been going through the whole thing and getting his knee drained or whatever. And his teammates are saying, hey, we're all going through stuff. Like You need to get your butt out here because yeah. you're never around. And, and that's the thing with Ben Simmons is that they never had a clear picture. That, that's the problem is Oof. beyond the health, and health is like a legitimate thing, but they never gotten a clear picture of like where he is physically. Yeah. And there's always been conflicting reports. If... if Somebody could like put a BS meter on what's what, mm-hmm. and they could straighten everything out. They could maybe get back somewhere. But the problem is, on top of all of that, you've got Kevin Durant, who oh boy. I kind of, I kind of appreciate what he did today. He sat down with Chris Haynes and gave a pretty unfiltered interview. Lot lot of uh, things are bleeped out in the old mm-hmm. interview. Um, he did demand a trade because he saw the writing on the wall. This is before Kyrie went full anti-Semitic and then became a, a nuttier nut job. 
that was before all this. It was before Steve Nash. It was before just this season. Mm-hmm. It was before Ben Simmons this. He saw the writing on the wall. He's like, yeah. I don't want to deal with this. Trade me. On a four-year remaining after he just signed a new deal. So I kind of get where he's coming from. But I he also made this. He, he created he this mess. He did. But he also was like, I need to get out of here. But this is this is like if you want an understanding of where yeah. things are at right now with the Nets, which is why they are the bad vibes clubhouse leader. This is I quote from Kevin Durant. Look at our starting lineup. Ed, Edmund Sumner, Royce O'Neal, Joe Harris, Claxton, and me. It's not disrespect, but what are you expecting from that group? You expect us to win because I'm out there. So if you're watching from that lens, you're expecting us to play well because number seven is out there. Yes. Yeah, you're, you are one of the best players in the world. Uh-huh. uh-huh. I do expect you to win basketball games. I'm really having a good time. I wish you all could hear me talk during the game. If I got mic'd up more, people would stop asking me if I'm happy or not. I'm enjoying every moment. I get to step on this bleeping court, and part of it is because I tore my Achilles. In the pandemic, I didn't know if we were going to be able to play again. I didn't know if I was going to play again. That's awesome. And I like that. There's, there's some, like, it's a long article, and there's a lot of honesty in here. Yeah. But that honesty is painting the Nets as a complete disaster. It is. Painting Durant as very cold and calculated, which he is. He is. Like it's it's just again it's very honest and I, I got been reading and everybody's kind of clowning him on the internet because it's Kevin Durant and he always like, but in reading it, I kind of get it. Like I don't like I know he made the bed, and he's like I want to get out of it, but he lays it out like listen man you all are putting everything on me, and it was a joint deal, it was you know this that and the other and he's not trying to deflect blame but he's also saying. I'm give, trying to give you an opportunity to get out of this. Trade me. <clears throat> but at the same time, like teams know how desperate the Nets are going to be. Oh, they have zero leverage. They're not going to get the haul that they deserve no. because of how dysfunctional it is. And I think this is where people don't really, people don't really understand is, or, or people don't really have a willingness to understand his side of it is that he and Kyrie Irving did that Instagram Live where they were like, they told us all how great it was going to be and how they didn't even need a coach because of how great they were. And it isn't it isn't working. It isn't work. They're not living up to their end of the bargain, and that's where people are getting upset and where people are getting frustrated with them and not going to buy anything that he says at this point. Like, he wants out because it's a disaster there. Well, it's a disaster in large part, not fully, in large part due to Kevin Durant, due to Kyrie Irving, due to Ben Simmons, and before that, due to James Harden. Like, are they the sole, is any one of those individuals the sole reason for it? No, absolutely not. But they all came together because they they told us it would work, and they, they guaranteed it would work. And they were confident that it would work. Perhaps a little too confident. It's not. It, well, everybody on the outside looking in said, uh-uh, this isn't how you can do it. This isn't how it works. And that, to me, is where nobody's going to show any remorse to Kevin Durant or Kyrie, especially Kyrie Irving, or any even Ben Simmons, who in this athletic article, he paints a very sympathetic picture of like, man, my body's banged up. Like, if anybody is doubting me within the organization, which this is part of the athletic article, says um, 
according to sources with direct knowledge of the situation, frustration surrounding Simmons has been building in recent weeks within the organization. The coaching staff and players have been concerned about his availability and level of play, with some questioning his passion for the game, the sources said. They don't... Players and coaches don't believe he cares about basketball. Like, that is... There's two things that will get you fighting in a locker room. One of them is calling somebody soft, and the other one is questioning somebody's passion or want to. Mm -hmm. And right there, there's several people in the organization, coaches and players alike, that are questioning that with Ben Simmons. And one thing you can say about Kevin Durant, that has never been a question about Kevin Durant. he's a hooper through and through. I, I will add to your two things in the locker room. Besides those two things, also money and women. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, those those are the the four things that are up on the board uh, to go full family feud. Put it up on the board. Yep, uh, that you want to avoid unless you unless you're trying to start a locker room fight. Which in case tab on all those. Yeah, Kevin Durant is who he is, but he's also the greatest pure scorer in the history of the league. He is also right. He in this article he says uh, I want to make sure I quote this right. Do 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 do. I think it's at the very very end of the article. I can play with anybody, anywhere, at any time. No, you can't. And you know I'm going to bring it every day. That should oh. be my legacy. Now, now that you can say, but you he can't played with successfully Russell. play with them. Well, I, I think he can. Why isn't he doing it now? Kevin Durant? Yeah. He. Oh, him. Him personally. Yeah. He can. He's. He. That's actually kind of Kevin Durant's superpower, <laughs> is that he did play alongside Steph. He did play alongside Harden. He did play along Kyrie. Mm-hmm. And still stand out. And still is him. Without yeah. hogging the ball, without hogging the spotlight, he is the greatest number two of all time. Mm-hmm. He can be your number one. We saw it in OKC when he was the number one and he took that team to the finals. The problem yeah. was Russ not letting go enough for KD to be KD. KD... Is the greatest number two, and he has overtaken Scottie Pippen. He, he, he is, because he's the greatest scorer mm-hmm. the league has ever seen. Scottie Pippen was one of the 50 best players in the NBA history when they did the NBA 50. Kevin Durant is a top 15 yeah. player of all time. and he, But he isn't. He, he, is he, will he ever be a guy that leads a team by himself to an NBA Not title? in the sense that we're talking about. And he talks about his leadership in here. And one of the things he says is that basically... I don't need to prove to you what kind of leader I am because by like saying things in public. And he's not taking shots at other guys who say nope, things that's in public. Not, and that is a very that good leadership feels that way. And he goes, listen, man to man, I've talked to Kyrie. You don't need to know what I said to Kyrie. And you don't need to know what I've said to anybody in the locker room or any locker rooms I've ever been in. He's like, I, and he said, like, I played with Russ. I played with Steph. Like, you don't think we had conversations about things that people didn't want to talk about? Oh, yes, and having tough conversations are one thing, and I, I believe that with Kevin Durant. They they got I it I don't believe done, that though. he is a great leader, I, because he wasn't the leader of the Golden State Warriors. No, because that leadership structure was already in place. Yeah. And I think that— And that's, that is his biggest fault, is that everywhere he's been, that leadership structure has failed them, whether it be Oklahoma City, yeah. whether it be in now in Brooklyn— it it was too good to fail in he's Golden not a, State. He's not a general. Yeah, he's a colonel. Yes, he's he, again. He's not. He's your number one option, but he's your number two in command. And that 
your best player doesn't always have to be your general. Mm-hmm. It helps, but there are teams in the NBA. Draymond Green is the general mm-hmm. for the Warriors in their runs. Yep. He is the tone setter. Yep. Steph is their best player, but the heart and soul of what it made that team that gave it its soul, it's it's Draymond. Yeah. Steph's the greater player. There's no arguing that. But what uh, the Bulls. Jordan's the greatest player, and he set the tone, but he had Rodman with him. Yeah. He had Pippen with him. Yeah. Oh, I hate the Utah Jazz, but Carl Malone was the best player on the floor. John Stockton was the general. He's the, yeah. Exactly. You don't have to be the best player. And you can be a leader, just not the leader. Yeah. And I think Kevin Durant is a leader, but if we're so spoiled here in Portland with leadership <laughs> that we look down on everybody. We go full Principal Skinner. Pathetic. I have no shame in doing that. Yeah, no, you you do. You you absolutely do because it's one thing we can hang our hat on is Damian Lillard is not just the best leader in basketball; he's the best leader in sports. Hmm. All right, five zero three two five zero ten eighty. That is the fan text line. Um, <clears throat> oh, we haven't even talked college football playoff today. The rankings out yesterday. Yeah, sliding mm, whole lot of BS there. The conference of champion, Danny and Dusty on the fan. Ghost Rider, the pattern is full. Buzz in the tower. Oh God, yeah. Because, uh, like, I use this term uh, when I'm, I'm coaching the high school kids of you top gun them, mm-hmm. where you where you let a DB run with you, throw on the brakes, let them fly right by, throw on your brakes, and then give them a little elbow and watch them fly by. And I was using that term, and I was realizing that the kids have no idea what top gunning them was, and I was like. You've got to be kidding me. And now that the new Top Gun Maverick came out, they all understand it now. Did they go back and watch the old one? Yeah, yeah. A lot of they've they've watched the old one and they get the new one. And then uh, the Top Gun High Five where you go over the top and then back around. Yeah. Top Gun High Five is yeah. back. Like, it's great. Top Gun Maverick has done a lot for the world. I need to... Connecting I still, generations. I haven't seen it yet. What? Yeah, no, I didn't get to see it in the theaters. Okay. So, um... I, I, it's already I, I, out on DVD. Is it? Like, mm-hmm. is it? Is, is that stream, the grocery store? Is it streaming the anywhere? Day? I don't think so. I don't know. I'll, I'll rent it. I don't know. Yeah, it's uh, at uh, the Scientology streaming service that Tom Cruise runs. <laughs> <laughs> Jumping on Oprah's couch. <laughs> I love Katie Holmes. Oh, man. Oh, God, okay, yeah. which so Oprah, long ago? Which Oprah moment was more awkward? That. Or when she tried to rub Drew Brees' birthmark off his face. Do you remember oh, that? Oh, I don't remember that one. She gave him the, oh, you have something on your face. And she licked her thumb and tried rubbing his birthmark off his face. Did she, was it was it like a legit thing? Did she not know? She didn't know. She's pulling the mom move. Is it chocolate or poop? Oh, my goodness. Uh, but if you're Drew Brees, how cool is that? Oprah tried to rub, like licked her finger and rubbed your face. My 
goodness. <laughs> wow. It is uh, streaming. Yeah. You, you got to pay for it, but it is streaming. Oh, it is. See, look at that. Uh-oh. Looks like looks like I found what I'm doing tonight. Oh, man. Okay. College football playoff rankings came out yesterday. Yeah, they did. And what a bunch of crap. We talked about this exact scenario happening and how this is no bueno for uh, USC in the Pac-12. But it's also not really all that surprising because, look, there are a lot of good things that came out of the, the, the rankings. One being, how about them beeves in at hey. 23? Huh? Um, so Pac-12 has more teams ranked now. You have Oregon State, Washington, UCLA. Uh, UCLA in Washington to go 16-17. Oregon is in at 12. They can move up this week and have a top 10 win on their, under their belt with a win against Utah. Okay, um, But then you have Utah at 10, and then USC came in at 7. And that was one of the warning signals that, that it was out there for the Pac-12's fate. Because two-loss LSU is still in front of USC. And I, I think that's kind of expected. With your top six being Georgia 1, Ohio State 2, Michigan 3, TCU 4, Tennessee 5, uh, and then LSU 6 followed by USC at 7, Alabama 8, Clemson 9, and Utah rounding up the top 10. This is what's going to happen. Uh, Ohio State and Michigan are going to still play each other. We know that. Mm-hmm. Before going conclusion, that's gonna that one's gonna work itself out. It's not this weekend; it's next weekend. Okay, so there's a, one of those teams will be slipping. Tennessee does not have a chance to move up anymore because they're not going to be playing in the SEC championship game. LSU is that little buffer of protection for the for the playoff committee because Tennessee absolutely demolished them, forty to thirteen. So it can be a resume booster for a team that didn't win the conference, but in the, in the event that LSU beats Georgia, to get Tennessee back in that in, in into the college football playoff. So I understand that from that regard, and also USC beat Colorado this past weekend. What does USC have in the next three games? Uh, a ranked opponent in UCLA. Yep. A ranked opponent in Notre Dame. Yep. And if they win both those games, a ranked opponent in the Pac-12 conference title game. They, only also, if they win this week. If they win this week, if they true, win this they, week, they're in. Yes, you, you win this week. win you're in because Notre Dame, obviously, non-conference. Yep. But also, with Oregon State back in the top 25, they have a win. They have a win. Over a top 25 opponent. And that's why the Beavs being in is big for yep. USC. Is that it, it gives them a top 25 win. As You can call it fake or not. This is what the committee does. They slide teams into the back end to help a resume of somebody on the top end. Here's the thing. What's more important as it pertains to USC? Oregon running the table and getting in? Or Utah running the table and getting in? To the college football player? Or the Pac-12 championship Pac-12 game? title game. For Oregon. The... They want Oregon. They want a new team. But that's what I wonder. Does Is it better to avenge a loss against Ooh. Utah? Or is Actually, it better to beat Oregon? I mean, we'll be at that Utah game was so long ago, though, that it may you we may have was that early October was that game early October? I I, I want to say that that game was uh, mid so it was a month ago. 
It was yeah. a month ago, October 15th. So it'll, it'll be like six, set, almost two months removed. Is yeah. it better to beat Utah? I think it, it, it's early enough. It's early enough to where you can be different teams by then. No. Yeah. Yeah. So but I think I think it, I, I think it makes USC, more sense for Oregon though, right? It makes more sense for Oregon because you could get I mean, cuz then they would they if they get there they would beat Utah and you would, would beat Oregon State as well. So that would be a higher ranked team. It, either way, you're looking at like a top 10 team. Yeah. And that's good. But I'm wondering it's like how is this framed? Is it better for if you're the college football playoff committee looking at this, hey, they went out there and they redeemed their one loss. Yeah. Or is it better they what they go out there and they beat Oregon, who on the way would have beaten Utah? Avenging your loss is always good, but having a marquee win is good as well. Mm-hmm. So I I don't think it matters for USC. They just have to win because yes. they've played one. Well, now two ranked opponents. If you add Oregon State. Yep. But one opponent before this week, and they got beat by that ranked opponent. You know, and that was Utah. That was the only ranked team that they they yep. had on their schedule up until this point, uh, where Oregon State slid in, and that was a you know seventeen fourteen game. Yeah, and USC's up against it here. Yeah, they they are getting healthier on defense. They are getting better back there. Losing Travis Dye is a massive, as big, man. massive blow to this team. But big. Um, listen, if, if you're wondering, do I think that they have a, a legitimate chance at a college football playoff? Yes. Do I think USC is going to stub their toe between now and then? Yes. Mm. <laughs> but USC is the lone holdout yeah. for the Pac-12. And they could have three ranked wins in, in a row. Starting this week, they get UCLA in the crosstown rivalry. Uh, UCLA is ranked 16th. Notre Dame, Notre Dame for the start of their year. Remember, Notre Dame lost to the Marshall Thundering Herd. And they also played Ohio State to a score. Um. Team they makes started no sense. 0-2, well, and they lost to Stanford. Like I said, this team makes zero sense. Stanford beat this football team. They are now 7-3, and and they are ranked 18th. So SC could have a win over 16, a win over 18, and then anywhere between 10 and 12 probably for the uh, Pac-12 championship game. Notre Dame played an ugly game against Ohio State in the first week of the season, 21-10. And then they followed that up by losing to Marshall, and they beat the brakes off an undefeated Syracuse team. They beat the brakes off an undefeated Clemson team. And then they played Navy to a field goal game. What was the score of that Clemson game? Uh, (laughs) 35-14. They beat the crap out of them. Yeah, they did. It wasn't even close. Yeah, they did. I just... Yeah, this, they had the, the punt return. Yeah, this yeah. Notre Dame team makes zero sense. They've lost to Stanford and Marshall. I don't know. And played Ohio State close while beating the hell out of the ACC's two best teams. Uh. I just there's 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 no like reference point to go off of here. Oh man. Well, we'll find out if USC is good or not. <laughs> oh, listen, they're going to get tested, man. UCLA, Notre Dame, and then. Utah or Oregon. DTR says be... DTR says they're going to put up sixty on them. He did, and uh, USC responded with saying, uh, "Okay, just remember, uh, you got to back that up." Yeah. Well, I mean, USC's offense can uh, they can score seventy. They can score seventy. Yeah. <laughs> so there's that. All right, uh, we're talking feet, not inches. Yeah, we are. Here's Rust with Sports Center. You ready, Mace? Party people. Uh-huh. It's about that time for us to. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yo, 
now. What you know about going out? Headwest, red legs, TVs, all up in the headrest. This is Danny and Dusty on the Odyssey app and Portland's sports leader, 1080, The Fan. You mentioned this yesterday, uh, we could have our first snow game of the year. Yeah, it went from, hey, there might be a little bit of snow to a lot of snow. (laughs) The Buffalo Bills are playing host to the Cleveland Browns this weekend. And according to AccuWeather.com, up to six feet of snow could be falling between 7 p.m. Thursday and 1 p.m. Eastern on Sunday. (laughs) Six feet of snow. When was the last time we had feet of snow on the the field? Like when they had like, Uh, I want to see guys not like plow through like a little bit of snow. I want to see like the wiggle where you got to like, like it's not a run. You have to kind of like pull your foot out of the snow and like step out Boy, over it. There it was a game in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. I want to say was it Buffalo against Miami? Was it Buffalo Miami? It would be fitting if Buffalo Miami this year, after having to play in like a hundred to twenty degrees, that if Buffalo Miami in Buffalo Maybe ended up being Buffalo Minnesota. I I don't fast. know. I don't remember who it was, but I remember from a few years ago where it was. It was like. There was it was snow snow on the ground, and these are always the most fun games to to see because you see the world's best athletes, the most finely tuned athletes, and this is why there's times where I kind of chuckle at the playing surface conversation. Like, look, if there is statistically like the the uh, split whatever turf, you know, mm-hmm. if that is statistically just more dangerous, yeah, get get rid of that. I mean, blah. but. If you have like a safer field turf in a, versus grass, there players that get bent out of shape about that. Look at a snow game. Look at a mud game. Like those fields are dangerous to play on when you are mm-hmm. playing in the snow and the mud. And you see these guys in these snow games. The world's greatest athletes are on skates, reduced to nothing. Just like receivers and quarterbacks Whoop! are just like. Hopefully the ball stays dry long enough for us to throw this thing in the air and like the D- DB has no chance because he has no idea where you're going to make a break. Uh-huh. And you just pretend like you're making a double move and he's slipping and falling on his butt and you're running right by him. Like Hopefully that works. It is awesome to I, see those I, I want I want a full-on yakety sax game. Yes. Give, we, give it to me. Yeah. Benny Hill the hell out of this game. They are ask, er, expecting lake effect snow, which is that those are the big storms coming up. Yeah. The that roll in. Uh, there's a lake lake effect warning. It grabs issue. all the moisture and dumps it on the in snow. Now, uh, Sean McDermott said that they the Bills head coach said, we, "Okay, we had an idea that this is coming. We have plans in place if we're unable to get to the building on Friday and Saturday. <laughs> Did they have like a the Buffalo Bills like a helmet car with a snowplow on it that they're going to send out there and go get their players." This is going to be phenomenal. And uh, Kevin Stefanski, uh, the Browns coach, said, "Yeah, I mean, this is this is what we do. For us, we just have to focus on what we have to do. Um, we just got to keep on watching the weather, and we'll play through it. This is going to be fantastic. I I am all in. The, a good snow game that gets me going. Like th- th- it is it is football weather when you see <laughs> like a- after a quarter." 
you'll see like, oh, hey, look, they came out and they plowed the lines on the field. This is great. At halftime, they go and plow the whole field. And when the second half starts, you're like, yeah, look at that frozen sheet of ice out there. And the footing is somehow worse. Like, compacted snow was better than what they actually did when they plowed it. This is great. The one thing that I want, the one thing I'm asking, the one thing I'm hoping for, is do not give me this heated lines nonsense. Do not give me the melted snow field where all the snow is pushed off to the side and it's, it's a snow game. Yeah. No, give me hell on the field. Yeah. Give it to me. Give me fog bowl. Give me mud pit. Give me snowstorm of just a full hedonism. <laughs> give me the nastiness yeah. of late November weather in the Northeast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the whole point of having an Open top stadium in the Northeast is to make it living hell. Here is a a wrinkle in all this. So uh, back in 2017, there was a game delayed, and they bumped it back a day uh, for the Steelers Chiefs. Or the Steelers Chiefs playoff game was bumped back from a 130 kick to an 830 kick Eastern so they could get the field in shape because there was a blizzard. Uh, in 2010, there was a Vikings-Eagles game that, due to a blizzard, had to be moved from a Sunday to a Tuesday. You cannot do that this day, this time, because mm-hmm. the Bills play on Thanksgiving. No. So they're already on a short week, so you can't even bump this game to a Monday. You have no choice. they got to get this game in on Sunday or just wash it away. So they're going to play on Sunday. And that excites me even more. Like, let's let's go. They should fly the Browns in today and make sure that they are just there, because I want this game to go off. It, it needs to happen. I don't. I want the snow game. I want all of it. Give me, give me all the snow. Give me all the the pain that comes with the snow game. I'm here for it. I am here for it. I like it. I like it. All right, let's go. Uh, snow game. Gonna get it on Sunday. 503-250-1080. That is the fan tech sign. Um, the Blazers have an off day. A, a fantastic start, though, uh, to this young NBA season. Uh, ten wins already. Ten wins. Any dusty on the fan. Things just ain't the same for gangsters. Times is changing. Young is aging. Becoming OGs in the game and changing. To make way for these new names and faces. But Danny and Dusty on the Odyssey app and 1080. And the fan. Get capped up and wrapped in plastic, zipped up in bags when it happens. That's it. I've seen them come. Oh. I've watched them go. Watched them rise. Ooh, we got watched a little them blow. Watched Dre and some shady. Dre. Yeah. Well, 23 years ago today, he dropped the uh, 2001 money, album, The Chronic. Really? In 1999. The Chronic 2001. I mean, truly ahead of his time. Two years ahead of his time. I mean, listen, uh, it's a tie time. Yeah. No, wow. that's 420. Yeah, exactly. Uh, which is uh, coming up here in just a little bit. Uh, but, you know what? Album's so good, it made me and my gimpy hips get up and shake a little bit. Ah, oh, I love yeah. the I love Do- I love Dr. Dre, period. I mean, he's goaded he's producer. Best halftime show ever. I mean, we say we'll that. Go down. <clears throat> you know, it's funny. It, it probably was. Yeah. But also at the same time, we, we were all kind of sitting around. It's about time they got... You know, an act that makes sense, da, 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 and you start looking back, it's like that act has always been catered to like the 35 to 45. Oh, adults. yeah, Michael and, Jackson. And now Prince. we're in that window, so yeah. that now it makes sense. But listen, watching 50 squeeze his 
body into that bulletproof vest, shouts to him. Oh, man. All right, uh, Portland Trail Blazers, they won uh, 117-110. Good win for the Blazers. Nice, cute little win. Listen, Great win. ugly, but don't matter. Win counts the same. When you look back at the end of the year and the Blazers have 46 wins, you're going, do you not counting or wondering where they came from? True that. Uh, and Damian Lillard spoke after the game, and he ha- he was really honest. Mm-hmm. And it was refreshing to hear. Well, it's it's not refreshing to hear from him because, but to hear the mindset uh, of this team and a player and how much it has changed from years past. I mean, we're a good team. That's how we do ourselves. Um, we know what makes us a good team. The more that we buy into those things and the more consistent we can be at those things, the, the longer we'll be able to sustain what we what we've started. And, um, you know, when those games come down to it, we, we have that belief. You know, now we've been in a lot of those situations you know, so many times early in the season. And when those moments come, it's like it's no panic. Uh, I think in the past we would be like, all right, somebody got to get it going. And the, the energy on our team now, it feels like, we got to get some stops. You know, we got to stop them. We got to get rebounds, and I think that's the that's the difference. And that's why we're able to win a lot of these games. A mindset shift. They got to get yeah. stops. They got to get rebounds. It's not just outscoring somebody to the try and get comes. a win anymore. No, the other stuff comes. They've got Damian Lillard, who again. Uh, I had Corey Jez of the, of the podcast. He's the Blazers uh, analytics director on Ooh. the TV side. He called the challenge last night an elite challenge. Two told point, that to Calabro and Hurd. 2.4 points swing. Yeah. That's, that's a, it's a big, big challenge. It's big. Um, but one of the things we talked about was Damian Lillard himself as an offense. Yeah. And I go, listen, from the, the numbers that I've seen, because I've, I've had access to, to synergy and second spectrum stuff over the years, was that throughout Damian Lillard's career, he was worth one point per possession. Okay. Which is an insane, like a good offense is like point nine five. Mm-hmm. Him by himself, like his pick and roll centric offense is one point per possession. That that's an elite offense. Offense is not something this team has to worry about. They're clunky right now, and they're fifteenth in the league. Well, I mean, it, truly, the in in the NBA, every single player on that court can score in some manner or another. A- every player can score. It, it, the teams that separate are the ones on the defensive the end defense. of the floor. The, the, ironically enough, the Warriors are one of the only teams in the last 25 years to win a title without being a top-10 defense. Mm. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that they not sat... Not every one of their defenses. Not every one of their teams, right? Every single one of their championships? No, there's been two. In the, okay. No, no, like, no, no, the, no. The Warriors have been... A, this is the only one that wasn't a top-10 defense. Yeah, okay. But the... Um, I was saying in this last championship team. Yes, and the reason their 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 defense wasn't a top ten was because they played the kids. Yeah. They developed Jordan Poole. They gave Kaminga some burn. They sat Dre. Clay was still working his way back from the Achilles and the knee. And but in when it came crunch time, what happened in Game Three of the NBA Finals? Mm-hmm. Gary Payton the second comes back, and their defense tightens up. Yep, they go small ball. They they've got Gary picking up either Jalen or, or Tatum, and they've got. Clay looking more like himself. Dre is in shape. Looney buys you minutes, and Wiggins looks like a stud. And they lock it down, and the Celtics can't do anything with them defensively. This is going to, going to be very interesting to see the strides and lengths that this team can improve on the defensive end of the floor, especially when you look at the fact that that same guy that you just talked about with Golden State, Gary Payton II, 
has yet to play a minute for the Portland Trailblazers, and they're hoping that they can get him back on the floor sometime, you know, maybe even starting next week um, for Gary Payton and get him back in the swing of things. This is an exciting time for the Blazers. This is the best start they've had since the 2018-2019 season. Mm-hmm. And look, when they have good starts like this, good things happen yes. for this franchise. So you've had this is the third best start if it, through 14 games in the Lillard era. Uh, through the first 20 games in the 14-15 season, they were 17-3. and three. Mm-hmm. That was the best team Damian Lillard's ever had. It's, it goes without saying. There's yeah. no, there's no arguing with he, he wasn't ready. The team, the team around him was. That team had the hallmarks of being a title contender. Yeah. They were a top 10 offense and a top 10 defense. Wesley Matthews tearing his Achilles is what derailed all of that. That was a team that getting to the Western Conference Finals, hell, mm. getting to the NBA Finals would not or should not be shocking to anyone. But now they're in a position where, you know, it doesn't make a ton of sense uh, for this current team, based yeah. on paper, to be as successful as they are. And mm. yet, because they've been so good defensively, and because they're top-end players, again, Dame Ant and Grant have been phenomenal for stretches in these in, in, in the start of the season. We, we kind of forget, Dame had those couple games to start the season, or had a, a quasi-stinker to open mm-hmm. against the Kings, and then he came out and reminded everybody, I'm Damian Lamont Ollie Lillard Sr., Yep. And it went absolutely nuclear before having a little calf strain. But Grant's averaging over 20 a game. Ant's averaging 22 a game. Like, offense is not this team's problem. No. As long as they can get healthy. Here, here's what's going to be interesting. They got bucket getters. Over the next 10, 12 Drew games. Drew Eubanks is efficient. Well. Oh. And, I mean, he is. He's efficient offensive. We're not going to rely on Drew Eubanks on the offensive end. No. But Four of five last night for Trotdale's <laughs> finest. What they are going to mm. have to rely on. Mm-hmm is the the whole idea of the team concept because they are undersized. Yeah. And it's going to be interesting to see how they continue to handle getting punished inside when they go small because that is something they have so far dealt with when you look like a Jakob going 14 of 17 last yeah. night. How much of this is a surprise to them? Because that, like, as, as this texture says, like Damian Lillard even said it on, on opening night, like be patient with them. No. And that, that was being preached by... Everybody yeah. within that organization. Listen, I talked to people in the organization before the season. I said, if everything goes perfectly and like the way you hope it does, how many wins do you think you get? Most common answer was forty-eight wins, because everybody in the NBA who works in the NBA knows what fifty wins means. See, that's it. Fifty wins. The, the Warriors have distorted what fifty wins means. Mm-hmm. Fifty wins is a kick-ass team. Yes. Like if you are a fifty-win team, you your name should be thrown around in being a conference finalist. Because that's a that's a delineating mark of like, mm. no, you've got it done over eighty two games, and if you're at like fifty four, fifty five, like the bar should be the conference finals. Yeah. So for them to be where they are right now and be close to is about as perfect as they thought. Think about this: in six games, they will be a quarter of the way through the season. If they have fourteen wins, they are winning at a seventy percent winning percentage. And like Jeff Russ said earlier today. That winning percentage would put them at 57 wins. 54. I'm sorry, 50, uh, I said 54. I thought you said 57. Yeah, you, I think you oh, did. No, you're right. I'm sorry. I you got did. the four second yeah, in my no, head because it said 57.4. Yeah. My apologies. Yeah. You said 57. Yeah. 54 yeah. is Alfaro Camino at the There floor. you go. Exactly. Um, Never forget. <laughs> I won't. Rest in pepperonis. Uh, but them being 10 games near that, but 46, 47 yeah. wins would be incredible. Yeah, it would be. It really would be. All right. Hey, Blazer Talk to end the show. Look at that.
Look at that. Twice. Double blazer talk today. All right. Um, tomorrow, we got a big day. Uh, we'll go down to L.A. Antonio Morales, he covers USC. I don't know if Woo-hoo. you heard of it. Big day, a big week for USC, UCLA. Uh, he'll join us at 1230. We'll get picky tomorrow uh, with our picks against the spread. The heater continues, folks. Um, and then we have Joey Harrington, 2 o'clock tomorrow. So busy day. Uh, up next, primetime with Ice Skin Soup right here on 1080 The Fan.